Welcome to the Engage Truth Podcast, where we test popular claims and objections against Christianity, and we make the case that Christianity is total truth for all of reality. My name is Caleb Harrelson, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In today's episode, we will be looking at questions like, can man be good without God? What is humanity's greatest problem? And what is the best way that we can love others? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Have you ever received a call from an old friend that you haven't heard from in a long time and you're immediately ecstatic to hear from them? You could not wait to catch up on all that has been happening in their life. And then you quickly realize that they were only interested in talking to you because they wanted to sell you their product. Sadly, I have been on the giving and receiving end on this type of transaction. If you have a great product, that's all good and well. However, you never want to make someone else feel like they're just being used so that you can get something that you want, like attention or money. Yet, when we look at the life of Jesus during his earthly ministry, even though he is fully God and he's always been God from all eternity, he took on flesh He took on the form of a servant. He became a human and he did nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, as Philippians 2.2 says. In fact, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 30, we see Jesus say that I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. End quote. See, every word and action Jesus did was done in perfect obedience to God the Father. As the God-man, fully God and And fully man, he perfectly obeyed and fulfilled the Old Testament command to love God and love neighbors, as he said in Matthew 5, verse 17. See, Jesus' active obedience and fulfilling the law in his life means that he was able to be the perfect mediator between man and God the Father. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, it affirms that Jesus is the mediator between God and man. In fact, the first half of the Ten Commandments are about loving God, and then the second half are about loving your neighbor as an overflow of our God-centered love. You see, we are not able to rightly love others when we don't first supremely love God first. When we properly love and view God as our source of joy and satisfaction, we don't need to use people for sinful or selfish reasons. Now, sin is defined as any failure to conform to the moral law of God in our actions, our attitudes, and in our natures, our human nature. But wait, you say, isn't it possible for unbelievers to do good and moral actions to others, though, apart from even believing in God? Yes, when measured against a human standard, an unbeliever, a non-Christian, can do good to others in relationships and may seem to outwardly conform in their action to some of God's moral law, to love your neighbor. In fact, Paul the Apostle, an early follower of Jesus, in the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 14, he says that the unbeliever or, quote, Gentile, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law <clears throat> requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. End quote. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. However, God looks not only at the outside, He looks at the inside as well. God looks at the inward motives for every action. For the unbeliever, since these outward actions come from a heart that is still guilty 
and in rebellion before holy and perfect and just God, they are not acceptable to God. If actions are not the result and fruit of faith in Christ, of a heart that has been born again, that has a new nature, it cannot be pleasing to the Lord, as Romans 14.23 and Hebrews 11.6 says. Indeed, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, several hundred years before Jesus, in chapter 64, verse 6, he says that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. Since God's standard is perfection, absolute perfection, and a pure heart, as Psalms 24, 4 says, how can a few or any good deeds be enough to fix our infinite guilt before a holy and just God? They cannot. And the sad truth is all of us have failed to perfectly love God and others. We have broken His commands. We're all born with a sinful nature that is in rebellion against our Creator. Yet, the good news is that in Jesus' passive obedience, He took upon Himself the penalty for us breaking God's just commands. He took the curse of the law of God upon Himself and died on a tree. He passively submitted to the just punishment for breaking His law. He was obedient to God, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2.8 says, He became our propitiation for our sin. He the propitiation, meaning he appeased the just wrath of God against sinners. Therefore, the greatest way we can love others is for us to first trust in Jesus as our Savior to give us a new heart with new desires and a new nature. At the moment we repent and believe in him, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephes, uh, Ephesian Christians in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. At the moment we believe, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and we will have the inward and outward motivation to obey God's moral law. In one of the most incredible passages in the Bible, we see the prophet Ezekiel, also who lived several hundred years before Jesus, he talks about how God's people will one day receive salvation. And this is ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And this, he says in chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. End quote. Did you catch that? God's Spirit in us will cause us to obey His statutes, His commands. We will want to as a result of knowing Him. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We have a new nature. God's Spirit now dwells in us. And as God's Spirit moves and works through us, we desire to love our neighbor in a God-honoring way. Even when we fail to do that as believers, which we will, Christ's perfect record of righteously obeying God's law and paying for our sin is counted towards us, as Romans 3.21-22 says. He's our continual mediator between God the Father and man, as Hebrews 7.25 says. Praise God for Jesus and His perfect work on our behalf. On our behalf as hopelessly lost sinners who could not pay our debt before God, yet Jesus lived a life of perfection we could not live. He died a death that we deserve in our place as the just 
penalty for sin, and he rose from the grave three days later. <clears throat> and as a result of Jesus' perfect work, we're compelled to love others in a God-honoring way. Thus, we must always labor in showing people that we genuinely care about them, their experiences, and why they think the way that they do. You see, we build trust with people when they know that we are working on cultivating a relationship with them, and not primarily to change their mind or fix them, but because they matter to us. If someone truly matters to us, and since Jesus has risen and is returning someday out of our love for them, we should try to persuade them to place their trust in Christ. However, people can tell when we're not actually interested in getting to know them, but they're just our project for the moment. See, the question we must continually ask ourselves, are we interacting with every person we encounter as someone loved by God who deserves our full attention, or are we interacting with them simply so we can have our, quote, evangelism project that makes us feel better about ourselves for checking off our evangelism box. For our listeners that don't know what evangelism is, we mean the proclamation of the good news of what Jesus has done to save lost sinners with the intention to persuade others to put their trust in Christ. Yes, now there may be a few times at the airport or during an Uber ride where you have an incredible conversation on important topics about life, morality, or Jesus, and many brief interactions. In fact, I've seen several people leave those conversations very encouraged or even place their faith in Christ. I believe that there can be great value in short conversations. To add to this point, we should look at what the Apostle Paul said about how we should handle every conversation. In his letter to the early believers, he reminds us that in every conversation, we must always make most of every every opportunity because the days are evil. And he said that in Ephesians 5.16. And then he says in Colossians 4.6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. End quote. However, most of our significant conversation opportunities will be with people whom we have built rapport and trust with. I believe that most people want to open up to someone about their fears, their doubts, their insecurities, their weird thoughts, and so on. The fear is that they will be treated differently if they do, though. So many times, people will stay in silence and go along with things for the sake of appearances in their family, in their church, their workplace, or more. But I think this can be detrimental for people to process through all that they need to for their faith to grow. In fact, recent research from Dr. Kara Powell, a youth ministry researcher and professor, confirms this idea. She recently did research on youth group graduates and found that 70% of church-going high schoolers report having serious doubts about faith. However, the ones with more opportunities to express and explore their doubts actually grew in their faith. Dr. Carapal decided from her research that, quote, it is not doubt that's toxic to faith, it's silence, end quote. This is especially true with teens, but also everyone else. When we don't feel safe to be honest with others in the church and and in our friendships and in our family, don't feel safe to be honest with them about what really matters, our faith will not grow. Too many times I've seen someone admit to a struggle or having a lot of questions about faith and then people begin to view them as a project to fix. They may try and schedule a, quote, sit-down meeting with them to talk about their problems or questions. 
Now, I'm not against these intentional meetings, but I do think it can miss the point and make people feel like a project if that is the only time you intentionally visit with them. These type of meetings should complement an ongoing, consistent interaction within a community of other believers. Now, this ongoing interaction should involve many side conversations and genuine care and concern for people exactly where they are at now. I believe we underestimate the power of showing our family, our friends, that they can belong in our lives exactly how they are now and how transformative that can be. However, loving others does not mean that we approve of their behavior that is not God-honoring. We are called to lovingly engage with others that we may even disagree with, engage with them about the truth of Jesus and how He changes our entire lives, how He calls us for our good to follow Him in all areas of our lives. Yet we leave the changing of their heart up to God alone. God will change people's heart into a heart that desires to obey His Word. So are we willing to be patient, maybe even long-suffering with those that are struggling with their faith, that are struggling with their doubts and their questions? We must be. We must be patient if we hope to help people see the truth of who God truly is, especially in a culture that has inundated us with false ideas about who God is and discipled them into a worldview that sets itself up against true knowledge of God. It may take a while to work through what is true and what is not in conversation with your friends and neighbors, but people, people are worth it. We must love others sacrificially and patiently. Why? Because Christ has perfectly loved us first. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage Truth Podcast. We hope you found it helpful. Please look us up online at engageapologetics.com or Engage Apologetics at Facebook. If you'd like to connect with us so we can speak at one of your events for a one-day or a multi-week seminar on apologetics, please connect with us online at our website. We hope that you will share this episode with as many people as possible so that more people can be equipped and those seeking answers can find the truth. Thank you for listening.